Welcome to our podcast, Bible Lessons for the Christian Life, hosted by TNW Ministries. In each episode, we will provide segments on practical life applications for followers of Christ through the in-depth study of the Bible. We appreciate you spending time with us today, and stay tuned after the lesson for more information on our ministry and how to contact us. In this podcast, we're going to be learning about temperance, which is one of the fruits of the Spirit. Galatians 5:22 and 23, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. A lot of people think of temperance as what coal goes through to become a diamond or how you temper steel, but we want to look and see what the Bible tells us about temperance. So in Proverbs 25, verse 28, He that hath no rule over his own spirit is like a city that is broken down and without walls. So basically what is telling us here is a person without self-control is like a city that has been broken into and left without walls or safety. A lot of times what happens here is because our spirit is subject to our flesh, we operate in the flesh more often than operating in the spirit. We have to learn temperance in order to operate more in the spirit than in the flesh. In Proverbs chapter 16, verses 20 through 32, He that handleth a matter wisely shall find good, and whoso trusteth in the Lord, happy is he. What is telling us here is that when we handle things wisely or we stop and think about spiritually how we're going to do things or how we're going to act in a situation we need to learn to trust in god then everything turns out good and then we're happy the wise in heart shall be called prudent and the sweetness of the lips increaseth learning understanding is a wellspring of life unto him that hath it but the instruction of fools is folly the heart of the wise teaches his mouth and addeth learning to his lips pleasant words are as a honeycomb sweet to the soul and health to the bones When I was younger, my mom told me that you can catch more flies with honey than you can with vinegar. Never understood that until I got older. Then I realized that the sweetness of the honey drew more flies, but vinegar or nasty words sent things away. There is a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. He that laboreth, laboreth for himself, for his mouth craveth it of him. An ungodly man diggeth up evil, and in his lips there is as a burning fire. A froward man soweth strife, and a whisperer separateth chief friends. A violent man enticeth his neighbor, and leadeth him into the way that is not good. He shutteth his eyes to devise forward things, moving his lips he bringeth evil to pass. The hoary head is a crown of glory, if it be found in the way of righteousness. He that is slow to anger is better than the mighty, and he that ruleth his spirit, than he that taketh a city. To help explain these last few verses here, I'm going to go to my favorite book in the Bible, James chapter 3, starting at verse 13. Who is a wise man and endued with knowledge among you? Let him show out of a good conversation his works with meekness of wisdom. But if ye have bitter envying and strife in your hearts, glory not, and lie not against the truth. This wisdom descendeth not from above, but is earthly, sensual, devilish. 
For where envying and strife is, there is confusion and every evil work. I'm sure that any of us can look through here and find an area where we were weak in that God brought us through. I, for one, I dealt with anger, specifically road rage. I couldn't understand why people could not drive the proper way. If the speed limit says 55, at least run 55. In our area, a lot of people don't understand what a yield sign means. To yield is to give the right-of-way to oncoming traffic. A lot of people around here, they just either ignore it or they stop dead with no traffic. And then the Lord started dealing with me about my anger. And one day we were on our way home from church, come up to an intersection that had a yield sign, and the guy in front of me stopped dead. And my anger started rising because I felt that I was in a hurry. Wendy looks over at me and says, Forgive them, Lord, for they know not what they do. And then it hit me. My anger was all for naught. In Matthew 5, verses 21 and 22, Jesus tells us, Ye have heard that it was said by them of old time, Thou shalt not kill. Whosoever shall kill shall be in danger of the judgment. But I say unto you, that whosoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment, and whosoever shall say to his brother, Raka, shall be in danger of the council. But whosoever shall say, Thou fool, shall be in danger of hellfire. In the previous scenario, I was angry against my brother without a cause because he was hindering my daily life, which I thought was more important than whatever he might be going through. So here again, Jesus is teaching us that we need to learn to act instead of react. An action is something that happens when we stop and think about and then do. A reaction is just doing without stopping to think about what we're doing. In Matthew chapter 5, verses 38 and 39, Jesus tells us again, Ye have heard it hath been said, an eye for an eye, and a tooth for a tooth. But I say unto you, that ye resist not evil, but whosoever shall smite thee on thy right cheek, turn to him the other also. So if you break these scriptures down, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth is vengeance. But Jesus tells us in verse 39 that ye resist not evil. Vengeance winds up being evil in these scriptures. Jesus gives us examples of temperance. In John chapter 2, verses 12 through 15, after this he went down to Capernaum, he and his mother and his brethren and his disciples, and they continued there not many days. And the Jews' Passover was at hand, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem and found in the temple those that sold oxen and sheep and doves and the changers of money sitting. And when he had made a scourge of small cords, he drove them all out of the temple and the sheep and the oxen and poured out the changers' money and overthrew the tables. So back in biblical times, everyone came to the temple during Passover and did their offerings for the atonement of their sins. And those that lived too far away to bring their offerings in could sell them. And then once they got to the temple, they could turn around and buy the offerings back in order to continue with the Passover. So when Jesus got here, he found all this going on and it was inside the temple. So he sat down and he made a scourge of small cords or modern day translation is a whip. Now, why do you think Jesus would take the time to sit and make a whip when he was angry with what was going on. Living in a farming community, I know what we use a whip for when it comes to cattle and 
different types of herds. But I personally think that Jesus took the time to make that whip so he didn't react instead of just act out of the anger. Yes, he was still angry, but he took the time to stop and think about what he was going to do or act upon. And in John 18, verses 10 and 11, we get an example of a reaction instead of an action. Then Simon Peter, having a sword, drew it and smote the high priest's servant and cut off his right ear. The servant's name was Malchus. Then said Jesus unto Peter, Put up thy sword into the sheath, the cup which my father hath given me, shall I not drink it? In these verses, Peter reacted instead of acted, or stopped to think about what he was doing, like Jesus did in John 2. And now we'll sum it up with Romans 8, verses 1 through 14. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Romans 1 tells us to walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. We need to seek God in all that we do. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. So if we follow Jesus Christ and the law of the Spirit, we are not really bound by the laws of the earth. We are still bound by them because we need to obey the laws. But if we do as Jesus Christ did, then we fulfill the law of the land. For what the law could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin, condemned sin in the flesh. That tells us that God sent Jesus to die for our sins, that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the Spirit the things of the Spirit. We are all carnally minded. Jesse Duplantis put it out there best. I remember watching one of his televised shows, and I remember him talking about his fit of carnality. We all tend to react out of anger, and when we do, we are also having a, quote, fit of carnality. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. And in verse 7, because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. God gave us free will, and in doing so, that allows us to operate with a carnal mind. In verse 8, so then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. But ye are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If so, be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. Now if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin. But the Spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the Spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his Spirit that dwelleth in you. This is telling me right here, that if we walk in the Spirit, we will be more apt to become tempered and act instead of angering and reacting. Verse 12, Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh, to live after the flesh. For if ye live after the flesh, ye shall die. But if ye through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, ye shall live. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. So here again, it's telling us that if we live after the flesh, we become reactors and we are not tempered. Because becoming tempered, you stop 
think than act. And when I just mentioned reactors, that brought back something that happened many years ago in Chernobyl about the nuclear reactor that basically exploded because it was unstable. When we become reactors, we become unstable. It's better for us to become tempered. Living in the world, when we temper something, we make it harder or stronger. When we start tempering our spirit and our fleshly body, then we make it harder for the enemy to storm the gates, per se. Being able to understand temperance of metal, if you have heat-rolled metal, it makes it stronger than raw metal. And we're talking specifically steel here. If you cold-roll metal, it's almost 10 times as hard as the heat-rolled metal. That's why a lot of your swords nowadays are cold-rolled steel. Because during the cold roll process, all you're doing is rolling the steel into itself. Running it through the heat tempers it and makes it harder than regular steel. But cold rolled steel makes it almost unbreakable. And that's why Paul and Jesus both tell us that we need to work on our temperance. Because if we can't control our temper and our anger, then we don't have Christ in us. And I don't know about you, but me personally, I would rather have Christ in me and show the love of God to bring more people into the kingdom of heaven. So until next time, take care of each other, and God bless. Thank you for joining us today. For more information on this or other podcasts, or to access our written Bible study notes, please visit our website at www.tnwministries.com. You may also contact us via email at tnwministries at gmail.com. Until next time, God bless.